Welcome to the Access Church Podcast and our Sermon of the Week. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. As Mark was here last week, and I know many of you just enjoyed his ministry, he was talking out of 2 Timothy, written by the Apostle Paul. He's talking about running the race, and he illustrated that so vividly last week. As I was listening to his message, I was reminded of of something in Hebrews that I want to talk about. So you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, There are some people that still debate the authorship of the book of Hebrews. And uh, I definitely lean more towards Hebrews being uh, written by the Apostle Paul. And you you can disagree and we'll still love each other. But I definitely feel like uh, it's the Apostle Paul. And I don't even know why people really uh, worry about that kind of thing. But anyway... We're going to read from verses 5 through 7 in a minute. But right before verses 5 through 7, he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Sounds very similar to what you talked about last week out of 2 Timothy. Let's stand this morning. We're going to read verses 5 through 7. Uh, this morning, where he continues as he's talking about running the race, it's like immediately following, he says this, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Let's say that phrase, the Lord disciplines those he loves. One more time, the Lord disciplines those that he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray you would challenge us. Lord, that you would encourage us. That you would strengthen our spirits this morning. Lord, I pray that as I speak over the next few minutes, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So immediately following uh, me sharing at this church last week, uh, the, the pastor's wife, her husband is the, uh, the treasurer for the uh, Assemblies of God in, Southern, or in Mexico. And he's kind of transitioned the church to the, his wife. And, and they had invited us to this uh, celebration that they were having. So we, we joined them in, in a, uh, a celebration for the pastor and her husband. As we're sitting down, you know, and, and I was sitting with Ella and Maritza, they had spoke to the kids that were at the church. At one point, Ella says, look behind me for a moment. So I kind of glanced back behind my shoulders, and I saw a very familiar sight. And it was a child that was laying on the ground flaring. I mean, just frustrated, furious, unhappy, crying. There was, and at first I was trying to figure out what happened. And uh, without understanding the language, the mother is kind of rebuking the child, and I knew exactly what happened. This girl took a bottle of water at this nice place that we were at, and she intentionally dumped it all over the floor and made a huge mess. And so this little girl that's about Amos's age, she, and the mom gives her you know, some napkins to start cleaning up this mess, and she's trying to correct her child. You made a mess, you, you know, and you need to clean this thing up. And so she just is flaring on the ground. 
and uh, not cleaning the mess up, and the mom wasn't going to have it, right? So this girl wasn't leaving until this mess was cleaned up. And as I watched this kind of from a distance, I had two thoughts that came to mind. The first is that regardless of where you travel, you know, people, we have much more in common than we do in our differences. You know, people respond very similarly, you know, in uh, wherever you travel around the world. So that's the first thought that came to mind. And then the second thing is that, that discipline in life is, is universal. A loving parent, a loving grandparent, uh, disciplines or corrects or trains their child. It's not like, you know, we go to Lamaze as parents and then we go to this discipline class where we learn about correcting our children. It's not like we have these classes around the world, but naturally a loving parent disciplines or corrects or trains their child because they have uh, God's best in mind for their child. Are you with me? Are you with me? Parents who care deeply discipline and train appropriately. And so we see this in life. And, and as much as you come to church and we hear about the love of God and the mercy of God and, and the grace of God and, and the goodness of God, that you can never overestimate the goodness of God in our lives. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And yet at the same time, discipline and training and, is something that we all uh, experience in life. Our faith is filled with great uh, paradoxes when you really think about it. And I want to share one of them with you. It's this idea between resting and wrestling. That part of our faith, our soul, is to be at rest. The Bible says, come to me all uh, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That the posture, the position of our heart is that we can rest before God, for Jesus said, don't be anxious about in anything, or in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, don't be anxious about anything. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so we can find rest, and we can find peace with God. But there's also this element of struggling, this element of wrestling with God. As uh, Pastor Mark shared last week, it was talking about running the race and fighting the good fight of faith. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, he says, strive to enter by the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter, but will not be able. And so this word strive is the word contend or to fight or to struggle. And so on one end of our faith, we're to rest and we're to have peace with God. And the yoke of the Lord, the Bible says, is easy and it is light. But then there are times that we struggle, we contend, we fight, we wrestle. And God is training you and I. Paul says he fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. And so it's almost like one day we can be at rest, and then the next day it seems like God is wrestling with us uh, with some things. Is that just me, or have you been there before? You have peace with God. You're still before God, but then he's molding, and he's shaping, and he's training, and it sounds and feels like you're wrestling with him. As we jump into this, as we talk this morning about the Lord's discipline, it's important you'll see on the screen a key verse in James chapter 1, verse 13, something you always need to remember, that when we are tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So when you look at the very essence and the nature of God, God is not the source or the cause of temptation. 
He's not behind devastation and destruction and accidents and sickness and disease and suffering and trials and troubles that all of us face in life. Jesus didn't send the 12 disciples out into the middle of a devastating storm to, to you know, send them into the midst of a problem, but he speaks to problems. He quiets the storms of our lives. There are some people that they have this like bad warped view of God, like he's going to throw you under the bus to teach you a lesson. He's going to send you out into the middle of a storm until you get it and to get it right. And while all of us face difficulties in life, there are a few things that I think you need to keep in mind before we uh, jump into this text this morning. The vast majority of us, we go through troubles, we go through seasons, we go through refining times in our lives. And I think it's in these times you've got to ask the question, is what I'm facing associated with man's selfish actions and sinful actions or the attitudes of my heart? Are the troubles or the challenges or the refining that I'm facing, is it the result of sin? Is it the result of man's consequences, our selfishness? Number two, is it the result of a corruptible world that we live in, a corruptible society that we find ourselves in? Or number three, is this the direct result of a spiritual attack where the arch enemy of our soul, the enemy, the Bible says, wants to steal, kill, and to destroy us? So when we face challenges and and troubles and struggles in life, you've got to ask the question, is this the result of sin? Is this the result of my selfishness, the attitudes of my heart? Is this the result of me being in a corruptible society? Or is this an attack from the enemy? For God is not the source of trouble. He's not the source of of hardship. And we, we understand this in some of the big areas of life. I remember as a kid growing up seeing a child that was handicapped because their family was hit by a drunk driver. And no one with any sense of godly wisdom would say that God was the source of that devastation because he was trying to cheat, uh, teach that child a particular lesson. Nobody would have ever said that. I remember growing up in a young family with teenagers and college-age students. They, they were watching their home while their mom ran on an errand, and they were living outside of the state college area. And within a few short minutes, their house burnt to the ground as the children stood outside and watched them lose. They lost all of their possessions. Nobody would have stood up and said that God was behind that that God was the source of teaching them a lesson, for that would be the most absolutely ridiculous, warped, and twisted view of God. So we know this to be true in some of the big areas of life, but there are things that we wrestle with and we struggle with that we have to seek the Lord's wisdom on. Things like repeated sickness, diabetes, cancer, heart-related issues. The loss of a job where all of a sudden you thought everything was going the right way and then everything comes to a screeching halt and you're standing, you're trying to discern what is taking place. Maybe it's financially. You feel like it's always your life cycle is one step ahead, two steps behind. One step ahead, two steps behind. And you can never really get ahead and you're struggling to discern what is going on in my life. Because it seems like you're kind of always being taught and corrected and trained and and you're trying to discern where in the world does this come from? 
And if you don't walk in in understanding, if you don't walk in wisdom from God, here's the thing. Blame runs faster than understanding 100% of the time, doesn't it? Blame runs faster in the race of life than understanding. And the will of, of God for you and I is that you and I, as children of God, we have the ability to walk in understanding that comes from God. And so when you face trouble in life, instead of pointing the finger and kind of always blaming everybody, you and I need to seek and to pursue God. You don't have to walk in confusion. You don't have to point the finger, but you can seek spiritual understanding from God himself. I believe in the role of pastors and and elders and spiritual leaders and so forth. And, And Ashley and I and our leaders are always willing to give counsel and understanding as you're trying to discern exactly what in the world is going on. But if you've sat with me before, you'll know before I ever talk, I say this, what is the Holy Spirit revealing to you? What is the Holy Spirit? How has he brought understanding to the challenge that you're facing to you? And sometimes, you know, people just kind of step back like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm here to talk to you to hear from God. And I'm thinking, since when am I God's superhero that has the answers to everybody's problems in life? For those of you that know me, I'm not the pastor that gets up before you and claims to have all of the right answers. I'm not the one that gets up and claims that I hear from God on behalf of every single one of you 100% of the time. There are people in life and leaders that, you know, they, they have this kind of need to be needed. And so they're just always chasing after people's problems to be the spiritual superhero. And I feel like my role as a pastor is to challenge, to encourage, and to equip you with the tools you need to walk in understanding from God. That's God's best for you. Come seek counsel and guidance and so forth, but you should be learning and growing and being trained to hear from God yourself. James 1.5, the promise of the Lord to you today. If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask of God, he who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So you've got to ask God for wisdom. Is this the, the challenges and the troubles that I'm facing? Is this the result of a heart-related issue that the Lord, a sin-related issue that the Lord is refining and dealing with? Or is this the result of the reality that we live in a sin-filled society and sinners act and respond like sinners? Have you noticed that? Or is this the result, number three, is this the result of a a spiritual, a direct assault, a spiritual attack where there's this level of resistance and it's in those times we stand firm, we fight, we spiritually, we fast and pray and we believe for breakthrough. But God's concern is not sending problems your way. He's not punishing you. He's not focused on anything other than transforming you and I into his likeness. Discipline is not punishment. I think sometimes we perceive it to be that way. I think sometimes we feel like God's retaliating for the wrongs that we've committed, that God's discipline is like this sentence for our sin. Hear me very closely. The wrath and the punishment of God was laid on his son Jesus once and for all, and it was completely satisfied on the cross. He's not punishing you, but he is disciplining you and I. 
He is correcting. He is training. For what loving parent does not train his child? Somebody once asked Michelangelo how he sculpted such a beautiful statue. And here's what he said, pointing to this angel he had just chiseled out of marble. He said, I saw the angel within the marble, and I chiseled it until it was set free. Likewise, someone once said to a man that had sculpted a horse out of a rock, and in amazement out of the transformation that took place, he said, how did you do this? How in the world did you pull out this horse in this rock? And he simply said, I knock everything off that doesn't look like a horse. (laughs) And isn't that true? Isn't that the refining process, the transformational process that the Lord is not knocking? He's not abusing you and I, but he's training. He's correcting you and I. And so we come to this text that's talking so much about discipline. It's talking about running the race, and yet it's talking about discipline. And so in the process of God's discipline in our lives, he does many things, but two I'll highlight. The first is that he is, as, as we're being disciplined, that God stirs within us the ability to stand fast and to conquer the sin or the issue or the challenge that we're facing. He doesn't intend for discipline to defeat us. He doesn't intend to, for it to engulf us, but he intends for it to strengthen and to transform us, to develop endurance and patience and so that you and I can trust and depend on him more and more. Many times it's in these refining seasons of our lives that we find God's peace and his presence in depths and ways that we never fully realized until we walk through those seasons of refinement. Secondly, I think when, when we fail to cave in to the trials and the discipline in our lives, God allows us in life to reap what we sow. Isn't that true? There's this principle in life that you and I reap what we sow. That's why I encourage you to live generously. Live generously. The enemy steals, man hoards, but God is a generous, giving God. That when you sow generously, you reap generosity from other people. And so as we come to this text, God is not the cause of of what we're facing in life. He's not the source of it, but he loves you and I and has nothing in mind except love and, and everything that is absolutely God's best for you. And so we come to Hebrews chapter 12, and there's this great exhortation that takes place. And I want to share a couple highlights with you this morning, beginning in verse 5 through 7. There are three key phrases that stood out to me when I read this on the screen, and we'll put these up in a minute. The first thing that I want you to see is that we are not to make light of the Lord's discipline. So there are times the Bible says that he teaches all of us, he's refining all of us, he's sculpting all of us, But we're not to make light of the Lord's discipline. You know, as we were in Mexico this week, there are things that stand out to you that you just don't necessarily see here in the States. And one key thing that stood out to me is every vehicle I sat in had at least two lights on at the driver's seat at the dashboard. I mean, at least two lights. Check the engine, check the oil, check the blah, da 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 and so Jeff uh, St. Clair, who is one of our drivers, he's in the car, and, 
you know, we're driving this car. It's got two lights. It's got three lights. It's got four lights on. And it's a newer vehicle. It's a nice vehicle. Four lights on. And I, 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 you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, A, the person doesn't have enough money to fix this vehicle, but it's a really nice vehicle. So that can't be the issue. B, they don't know how to fix this vehicle because it's nicer than a lot of the other cars people are driving. Or C, this guy's just not taking the warning lights seriously. And I think a lot of times in our spiritual lives, this transformational refining process, God is molding and he's shaping you and I, but do we take it seriously? Or do we ignore it? Or are you the person that takes the black electrical tape and just says, well, I'll cover that one up and deal with that one later. But we get to the end of the week and we're all in this truck ready to go and everybody kind of headed off to the job site and the truck's not working. Not only is the truck not working, the, the sounds that are coming from the engine, to me, sounds like the thing's ready to explode. So all of a sudden, we've got this vehicle that, you know, is not usable. It's, it's just dead. So I think that's a lot of the times the Lord in our lives, he's saying, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Even in a small warning or that nudge or that prompting of the Holy Spirit, we all get those. Where it's like we're doing something, he's like, yeah, he's, he's trying to mold, he's trying to shape and, and to guide you. And he's always doing it for our good. And yet so many times we, we instead of changing or adjusting or listening to his voice, we just dismiss it as if it's not that big of a deal in our lives. We pay little attention to the potential consequences for the actions and the attitudes of our heart. And, and a lot of times when it's things in life are left unchecked, sin is never content to remain small, right? It's always growing. It's always festering. It's always feeding. So we need to not take uh, the Lord's discipline. We need to take it seriously. You know, I think a lot of times what we think in life is not that the Lord's warning us, but that all of a the sudden there's this like major explosion. We're standing around like, Lord, I didn't even know that that was an issue. A couple weeks ago, I came home from church and our water shut off. I'm thinking, this isn't good with four kids and a wife. So I call the water company and they said, well, there's a problem. I'm like, no kidding. That's why I called. <laughs> so I go out to the street. Going, they said there's a water line break. I go out with Audra and there's this little hole in the road. And this police officer standing in front of this hole. And it's getting bigger, and it's getting bigger, and he's backing up, and he's backing up, and he's backing up. And then all of a sudden, that's next to our house, 25 feet deep, 50 feet across, no warning signs. You know, I thought about this, and two things came to mind. Number one, I just drove over that spot on the way home. And then number two, I think a lot of times spiritually, we think of the Lord's discipline like his plan for us is all of a sudden no warning and, you know, everything falls out from, with, from under us. That's not the case with God. He's continually molding and he's training and he's transforming us. I don't see it as like this huge spiritual blowout. It's not like a blowout of a tire, but it's the tolerance of a leak over time. He's saying don't ignore Paul is saying, don't ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the nudging, 
that happens deep within our hearts, these small signs, things that are not left, things that we need to address in our hearts and our attitudes. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. You see how it plays out in, in Jeremiah 5.3. He says, Lord, do, you not, do your eyes not look for truth? You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused to be corrected. They made their faces harder than stone, and they refused to repent. We see how this played out with the religious leaders of the day as Stephen speaks to them in Acts chapter 7, right before he's stoned. He says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resisted the Holy Spirit. May that never be true of us. May we never resist the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you and I. So that's the first key phrase. The second is do not lose heart in verse five. He says, don't buckle under. Don't give in. Don't lose courage. Don't be weak. Don't lose heart as the Lord is refining you and I. Can I say that he's always refining us? Has anybody arrived? Is it like, well, Lord, I I got it. Absolute perfection here, ready for heaven. (laughs) No, at least for me, it seems like the next time I, you know, the Lord's working on an area and it's like, I feel like I got victory in this area. He's like, okay, let's work on these other five things. You know, you work on the, and it's that continual process in our lives. He says, don't lose heart. The trials and the challenges that we face can be heavy. They can be difficult at times, but we, instead of trusting God conveniently, when we think that everything's going okay, we trust him completely. We wholeheartedly seek him and we trust him completely. We have the wonderful assurance that he delivers us through it all. And that as we surrender more and more to him, we become more and more like Jesus. Isaiah 43 says, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The third key phrase is to endure hardship or endure discipline. He says in verse six, because the Lord disciplines the one, what? Who he loves. He, he loves. It says everyone he accepts as a son or daughter, as a child. So he's essentially saying, if you're a child of God, if you're in restored relationship with God, don't be shocked, don't be surprised if you're in this ongoing process of discipline, of training, of development, spiritually speaking, Don't be surprised. It says that when God receives or he accepts us, this process continues in our lives. And so you've got a balance. On the one hand, you and I are in right relationship with God because we have access to God through Jesus. So we are the righteousness of God in Christ, the Bible says in the book of Romans. But then on the other hand, there are times that our heart is is weakened. There are times that we are led astray. There are times that we're tempted to live selfishly or we're tempted to rebel or we're tempted to to whatever. And it's in that process where we're, we're being pulled in two directions. Have you been there before? You know that you're right before God. You know that you love God and you're pursuing God, but you're you're kind of being torn between two places. And if you're not guarded in those times, you can cause hurt and pain and so forth to the people around us. And so God, as a loving father, is continually wanting us to grow and to be molded 
and to be shaped. So we endure this training. We endure this training. I'm not a huge athlete for sure. But for those of you that have played, some of you are smiling, okay? I know I'm not an athlete, okay? I don't need your, your smile to confess. <laughs> just teasing. But if you're serious about anything in life, there's training that's involved, isn't there? There's growing, there's stretching, there's molding and shaping. Same thing is true. The ongoing process. James 1.12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, the Bible says, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So what is the intent of the Lord's discipline? Not his punishment. What is the intent of the Lord's discipline, his training, this transformational process that happens in our lives? Because Jesus doesn't do anything without purpose. Are you, right? Are you with me? He's not random. He's very strategic. Everything God does in our lives has purpose, right? So what's the intent of discipline? I think one of the things is that it assures you and I that we're children of God. If you don't feel like you're being molded and shaped and stretched and pushed and prodded, you can probably walk out these doors and you need to ask the question, do I have a relationship with Jesus? Because for me and for many of you, the more you pursue your relationship with Jesus, the more you surrender to him, the more he's training, the more he's molding and he's shaping you and I. He says in verse eight, if you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. And so when you read this carefully, in essence, he's saying when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you're restored in this relationship with God, when you're participants in his nature, he's going to continually instruct and teach you and I. It happens to everybody. Secondly, it enables you and I to live for him. It enables you and I to live for him. Verse 9. Moreover, have, uh, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? And so as he disciplines, as he corrects and he molds and he shapes us, what he's really doing is he's positioning you and I to truly live for him. To truly live for him. We see what a lack of discipline, you know, results in in our society, don't we? I mean, you look around at the lawlessness, those of you that are teachers. You look at the disrespect in classrooms today. And many times it's the result of kids growing up in homes where they're not teaching and they're not training people, their kids based on godly principles and so forth. Or they're just kind of too busy trying to get by that you know, YouTube and the internet and all those other things are the primary training tool for their children, or they just pass them off to whatever organization. They say, that's the church's job to take care of my kid. We see how this plays out in society and the challenges that we face. We know on an earthly perspective the devastation that it causes. And yet spiritually, the Bible says, that we, have all, we all have human fathers who disciplined us and we respect them for him. We respect them for it. 
you know, for me, I don't know as a child um, that I really respected my parents' discipline. I think I more resented it. Um, my, I felt like I was a good kid, and I uh, felt like I did my best, and I always had parents. I, here's what I loved about my parents growing up. They allowed me to make mistakes and to deal with the consequences for the actions and the attitudes of my heart. There wasn't always just quick discipline for everything, but as I grew, it was like they were releasing more and more freedom to make decisions and then to allow the Lord to help me process those things in life. But it wasn't until I was probably mid-college age that I really looked back and looked at the discipline in the home and the times that they allowed the Lord to work in my heart, and I really did respect them for that. And with God, I think when we are in this refining process called life, I think instead of resenting him, why, God? Why this? Why that? I think we need to appreciate the reality that when we go through challenges, that God is doing it, what, for our good. For he sees two steps ahead of where we see. He sees two years in front of what we see. And he's always preparing you and I for what's ahead. And he does this to enable you and I to truly live for him. Number three, verse 10. To make us partakers in his holiness. They disciplined us for a little Well, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. The word holiness here means that we're to be set apart. Set apart from what? We're to be set apart from imperfection. We're to be set apart from impurity. We're to be set apart from sin. We're to live a right life before God. And the more we sin, the more in life, in the evil that's within our hearts, in the unresolved attitudes of our heart, the less like Jesus you and I become. And so God is bound to correct and to challenge you and I so that we become more and more like him. There's a difference between instant sanctification and then the ongoing progressive process of sanctification in our lives. I believe that when you come to Christ, And maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. When you believe in your heart and you surrender your life to Jesus, in that moment, you are completely saved. You're made right before God. You are holy. His nature now comes within you. And the nature of Christ within you displaces that sinful nature. And yet... The process of progressive sanctification in our world today, we're, we're continually be molding and, and transformed and shaped like Jesus. That's always happening in our lives. And the goal is that over time, we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And then finally, number four, to bear the fruit of righteousness and peace. Verse 11, no discipline, the Bible says, seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvestness of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So the link here is inseparable. The less sin, the less issues and unresolved attitudes of our heart, the more righteousness and peace there is. And so we're in this process of of discipline. What is our response? Verses 12 through 13. Strengthen your feeble arms. 
and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. As the worship team comes back. What is our response? What is our response? Well, we're to make straight or level paths before our feet. Proverbs 4 says, do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Take sin seriously. Take sin seriously. Make straight or level paths for your feet. And we're to heal whatever is lame. We're to heal whatever is lame. Would you stand with me this morning? Before we dismiss this morning, God's best for you is to walk in spiritual understanding. And as you close your eyes today, I said all of what I said today because I believe the Lord's bringing you and I to this question. And I really felt impressed to ask this today. But before we get to that, maybe you're here today. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have peace with God. You don't know and have the absolute assurance that your sins are forgiven, that heaven's your home, that your future is the bright as the promises of God, that he has wonderful good things in store for you. But you're just trying to kind of do this thing called life and you're struggling. Maybe today you're here for the first time. You've been here week after week and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today's your day to surrender your life to him he'll transform you from the inside out. He'll restore you back to God. You'll have the assurance that your sins are forgiven. Would you just close your eyes today? And maybe that's you. And that just describes where you're at today. And you want to take that first step in a relationship with God. And we'll have some people in a few moments that'll be here to pray with you. Before we do that, if that's you today, would you just raise your hand as just a sign to the Lord? that you want to surrender your life to Jesus today. You know that he loves you. You know that he cares for you. It's not in trying harder. It's not in working harder to get this thing right, but it's in surrendering and receiving that which Jesus has done for you. And in a few moments, you'll have an opportunity to come down and our leaders would love to pray with you. But then the second group of you today are those of you that you feel like, even as Mark last week was talking about running the race, you still feel like there's an attack spiritually that you're facing. There's unresolved things that are a result of the corruptible society that we live in. Or perhaps there's unresolved sin issues within your heart that the Lord's really trying to bring to the surface. It's as if he's putting on the check engine light because he wants you to correct the issue. And you're just asking the Lord for wisdom and discernment. You're trying to figure out what, what's going on. Maybe it's just a repeated cycle. And it's as if you started 2017 and your prayer is, Lord, would you get me out of the cycle of what happened in 2016? And yet, can I say this to you today that unless you deal with the issue the heart issue, 
that you faced in 2016, you're going to carry it into 2017. And so let's just ask the Lord for understanding today. Let's do that together. Would you just ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me wisdom in what I'm facing today? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's a relationship with a child. Maybe it's just a perpetual cycle of something that you believe that the Lord wants to break in Jesus' name. Just ask him to reveal that to you today. You can walk in understanding today. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find us online at scaccesschurch.com or on any social media platform. Have a blessed week.